Welcome to another episode of Discipleology, a podcast where we talk about what really works in discipleship. And I have a real special treat. We're bringing in Chris Surratt, who is far superior than me and from everybody else anyway. Chris, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, none of that was true, what <laughs> okay, you just good. said. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I work here at Lifeway. I am the small group and discipleship specialist. I also host another podcast that's specifically for group leaders called Group Answers with another guy named Brian Daniel. But I've been here at Lifeway for about four and a half years. Before that, I was on staff at a couple of churches doing small groups and discipleship. And I just love uh, talking to leaders and talking about discipleship and how can we get better at making disciples who make disciples. We have a real, real special guest. There is a little bit of a technical difficulty as we're talking to a man in Syria. He's in Syria. I, I If it would gone perfectly and we had perfect audio, I would have thought he's probably just kidding and he's in Georgia. But he's he'll as he as he'll say he's like just like miles less than five miles from where bombs are dropping. That's right. That's yeah. right. So there's a new movie called Free Burma Rangers that's coming out into a theater near you, February 24th and 25th. Please enjoy our conversation with Dave Eubank. <laughs> yes, we're in Ain Issa, Syria. Ain Issa, Syria means the eyes of Jesus, and. A mile and a half that way to our north are the Turkish and Free Syrian Army forces that attacked this place two months ago and is all the way up to two days ago. So we're not that far from the front line in this little clinic we're at here in Ain Issa, Syria. Wow. Incredible. Will, will you give our listeners just a little bit of a backstory how you started in Burma and then you went to Iraq, and now where you are. Sure. I'll first, Jesus, thank you. Maybe this be to your glory, and everyone's good, and our joy. And thanks for help with the connection. Your name, amen. We, we start, I grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand, and then I was in the U.S. military, in the Rangers and Special Forces, as an officer, and in the middle of that, I felt like I wanted to get out and serve God in a different way. And when I started seminary, right away, a tribe in Burma called the Wa ventured down to Thailand, which is next door, and met my parents, who are longtime missionaries, and said, please help. And so we were invited to help. My wife, Karen, and I got married. We went into the conflict area of Burma. This is 1993, into what is now a 70-year civil war and saw the fighting, the displacement, the murder, the pillaging, the burning, over 1 million internally displaced people. And we thought, well, we gotta help. And, and helping one person, if that's all we do, okay, they'll be glad, we'll be glad. And as we went, people began to join us. And after a few years of different ethnic team members and our family working together, the ethnic pro-democracy groups, which there's many in this civil war in Burma said, Hey, we want teams like that too. Humanitarian teams and go where the fighting is and help people and get the news out. Can you train them? So we started training teams and that slowly grew until we had one team, two teams, three teams. Now we have 90 teams. And then 2014, we were invited to Sudan to help in the Nuba Mountains, which was under attack. 2015 into Kurdistan, 2016 into Syria, also Iraq. And 
that's where we are now. Actually, I'm in Syria right now. Wow, that is <clears throat> that is amazing, David. This is Chris, and I saw the documentary just a few weeks ago when they debuted it at Lifeway, and it rocked my world. I mean, I just Andrew and I were talking before recording this that you know, neither one of us can imagine doing what you do. So I'm curious about what does it take? What is what kind of person does it take to be a free? Burma Ranger. I, I don't know that that's me. I don't know about Andrew. Right. It's not me either. He's more of a man than I am. <laughs> but what does it take? Well, for me, it takes when someone emails me and says, hey, I want to join your team. I always say the same thing. Pray about it. If you feel God leads you, come on and see it's a fit because mm. there's room for everybody. We have you just have to be physically fit enough for your job. For example, we have a man my age, I'm 59, I'll be 60 this year, who has a heart condition, bypass all the you know monitors, all this pacemaker stuff. And he said, I'm physically fit enough to be a ranger for my job. And his job is driving a truck back and forth to the border and moving patients and helping people logistically. Our The head of our finance, Wes, who was a super athlete in college, pilot, hunter, broke his neck. He's paralyzed on the neck, neck down right now. He does everything with a mouth, all the finance stuff, with a stylus. He's fit enough for his job. I think he's more fit than me, mentally, sure. Right. And then we have all kinds of people. If you want to go on a frontline mission where there's fighting, for example, and you got to run and carry a load in Burma, then we have some physical tests you need to pass, climbing up mountains, down mountains, going running, and all that. But we're not elite. I remember once when what's cool about God, you don't have to be elite. It's just be obedient. And he takes That's any right. of us anytime and does things with us. But there's three things you got to do to be a ranger. One, you got to be able to read and write in some language so you can do good medicine and you can tell the story. That's number one. Number two, you have to do this for love because you're not going to get paid. You're a volunteer. Number three, you have the physical and moral courage, which means you can't run and people can't run. Those three things. That's it. We always share the gospel of, of Jesus and what he's done for us. I tell the, the stories of what Jesus does for me daily. And we share that and we encourage every ranger to pray and see if Jesus is real or not. But whether they pray that prayer or not, we're bound together by love to help people. And we're not going to run away and be able to report about it. Dave, we often talk with a lot of churches discussing discipleship and how they are doing discipleship in their church what is different about what you're doing than a, than a local church? Um, and how are you discipling all of these men to follow in your footsteps? Well, what it looks like for us is this. Hey, man, we're in a circle. Every morning we get up, ready to go on the mission. If no one's shooting at us, so we got time, we're going to pray together. So we're going to start with prayer and a devotion that somebody's going to lead with scripture and experience about Jesus. And we're going to start that day. And that could take 30 minutes. It could take an hour. If you wake up or get woken up by explosions because the fight's coming to you now, then we get together and pray too, like really fast. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help us. Say the Lord's Prayer. Go and follow him. And so the discipleship starts with prayer. Whether you get a long one or a short one, it starts with that. And you go into action. And the action could be um, helping kids, um, helping people who are shot, running through gunfire. That's actually pretty rare, but that happens. And... As you're doing those things, we're always praying and talking together. And also, for example, seeing 
you know, when you give out, for example, in some some places, when you give out food and supplies, people are desperate. They're not nice anymore. They're fighting each other, beating each other up to take your stuff. They're stealing. They're rude. They're cheating you. They're not saying thank you. And at those times, part of discipleship is reminding each other, you know what? We don't work for these people. We don't have to be offended. We work for Jesus. He sent us here. We just got to keep obeying him. And if he says help these people, you better keep helping. That's right. And better keep loving. That's right. And that, that form of discipleship, I got to remind myself. And if I forget it, I remember once during a distribution, a bunch of young hoodlums came in. This is during Mosul. And this was an area that was liberated from ISIS and been free for about a week. So people were kind of coming out of the woodwork. And we gave food. And we gave, a bunch of young men came in, kind of pushed their way to the front of the crowd, which makes you mad. You know, pushing women out of the way, but we gave them stuff. But when they came the second time, pushing women out of the way, I said, "That's enough." And what I should have just said is, "That's enough." But I lost my temper, and the guy kept coming up to me, and my daughter was next to me, and I and he's kind of trying to push through her. And I grabbed him by the by the jacket. It was winter, and I just twisted it. I said, "Back off, dude!" And I mean it. I'm a smoky man. I said that. I meant it. And he's like, "Whoa!" I said, "I'm, I'm not joking. You come here twice." You push women around, we're not going to accept it. And back off. And if all you guys with you, move it. They kind of back. But they looked at me. They hated me. They were like, Argh. and I was like, hey, man, bring it. And they backed off. Bet everybody. Then that night, when we got back and we're talking about it, one of my guys said, Dave, I think you got too emotional. I said, what do you mean, man? They did this. They did that. They threatened my daughter. What do you you know, I'm right. I defended myself. And, um, and I said, let's pray. We prayed. And the next morning I woke up and I knew I was wrong. Mm. I knew I was wrong mm -hmm. because the way I did it is it's one thing to lose your temper and grab somebody. Sometimes you got to, they pay attention, but then like you would with your kid, you might do that with your kid, but at some point you're going to go, honey, I love you. I don't want you to do that. It's not the right way. There's going to be love in there somewhere where there wasn't, That's I right. didn't give any love. And that was my failing. And so Part of discipleship is helping each other, realizing we fail. And then I just said, I felt terrible. I said, Jesus, help me. Dave, I'm a father of two girls. And one of the things that touched me a lot in the movie was just your family and how your family has been there. You raised your kids, you know, in some of the craziest parts of, of the world, Myanmar and Iraq and Sudan and now Syria. And, you know, part of discipleship, probably the most important part is discipling our family, discipling our kids. You know, that's our job number one. What has it been like for you and for your family to kind of do this in, in these war-torn, impoverished countries and not in, you know, America where it seems easy? What has that experience been like for you? It's been a good experience. We help each other. You know, we have a, a, a few family mottos. Don't be led by comfort, fear, or pride. And we'll always measure things by that. I mean, pride, I mean, fear, comfort, comfort. We all need some points. Fear is a good reminder of why we're doing something and how to survive, but they're not our guides. And it's pretty terrible all the way around. I'm blessed with a very Jesus following wife mm -hmm. that decided to follow him. And she's since she's four and is, to me, uh, angel in the definition of messenger from God, she's an angel of that sort to me of love and mercy and truth and purity and goodness and joy. And I couldn't do any of that. I could do a lot of bad things without her. 
I can't do many good things without her. Mm. And I'm very grateful. So with her and then the kids just have decided on their own to follow Jesus since they're really small. Wow. My hope is in heaven. My hope is that on earth and in heaven, nothing truly precious is eternally lost. Will I ever come back? And I felt God just said, you know, nothing truly precious is eternally lost. Hmm. So what you're going to see it again on this earth, that precious, or are you going to see it in heaven? Don't worry. Don't cling to it. Keep following me. You know, one of the feelings that I had watching the movie was I, I don't know that I could ever do that, that, you know, it, it affected me in a deep way. I wanted to make a difference, but I, you know, I'm not moving to Syria. I don't think God could change those plans. We'll see. But I, I don't think I'm going to do that. What can I do here in America or what can someone do who watches this film and is, is deeply moved? What, what should we do? What's our next step? I think the first step is to pray. I think the first step, if you like the movie, say, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for what I just saw. And, and, and then pray, Lord, what do I do? God's going to tell you. If you say, I'll do anything, God's going to tell you. And then look at your own life. If you've been selling out, if you've been settling for less than you know you could do, but you've been too afraid to try because maybe you're afraid to fail, um, then that's a time to say, okay, I'm going to check my life out, my profession out, what I'm doing, my vocation right now and say, Lord, I put it all on the altar. I'm going to go for it. My hands are off it. If he gives it back to you, that's it. That's what you're supposed to do. You're exactly in the right place. Go for it even more. That's your job. Or you put it on the altar and you say, thank you. That's not your job anymore. I got something else for you. But the only way to know that is to ask God, what do you want me to do? I will do anything. My whole life, my family, my profession, my promotions, my security, my health, everything I give back to you. I can't hold on to it anyway, really. And then what do you want me to do, Lord? And if he gives it back to you, that's your job. That's the most wonderful thing you can do. That's your part of the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is all equally needed, every single part. We couldn't do this work without people praying for us, without people sending money, without people doing hard work at home, without volunteers to join us. From everything from being on the team here to praying for us or saying a nice word about us back there, it's all part of the same, one of God's many little armies all over the world. Humility keeps you close to God, and God is the most powerful. Well, I noticed that in you, Dave, that whenever you you got angry in a, in a few instances, you were a real human. That's what I noticed in the film, is that you were real. Um, and then you were very quick to come right back and, and forgive and, and to love. Um, talk to us a little bit about when you started capturing all of this video and when you thought it might turn into a, a documentary. We started capturing from the very beginning. Um, 1997, during, uh, well, 1998, Karen and I first went to Burma and we shot a, some photos. But 1997, we started sh- shooting video. And I was given a video camera. I didn't even know how to turn it on or off. And I had to figure that out. And then I didn't know how to do record. I thought it was like a gun. You know, you had to keep your finger on the trigger if you want to shoot. <laughs> so seriously, it was a high eight. And so I had this high eight camera. The 1997 offense going on. There's fighting. There's burn burn villages, it's all this. And I'd run around and pick the camera and push my finger and hold it like you would a gun, you know? Like, boom, 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 boom. I'd hold it and film and then release it and then drop it to my side and run. Well, it was completely random whether I was holding on record or holding on off. So the whole film is like, whatever. That's how, that's how ignorant I was. Fortunately, it was enough footage to make something. But 
I wanted to, to the world to know what was happening in the jungles of Burma, where no reporters were. I wanted the, the people there to know, okay, man, we can't stop the Burma army. We're going to run with you. We're going to show the world what's happening. You're, that's your dignity as well. You're not just nothing. You count. I'm going to prove you count. We're going to show you as real people. I want the perpetrators to see this is not happening in secret. And you soldiers who want to be heroes, which is a good thing, this is not heroic, man. This, this, look at this. This is not heroic. We're not against you. We want you to change. And so for advocacy, so that people would care about and help these people, for the dignity and the, the comfort that the people would see that their story is being told, for the enemy to see, wow, this is what I'm doing. Maybe it would convict some of them that it was wrong. But all these reasons, and to record and document what was happening for some future purpose. In a way, also to say thank you to the people who support us and to thank you to God. Look, this is the best we can do. This is what we saw. Here's my report. You know, what I did last summer. Here it is with the photos. And I would say this way, what God helped me do last summer. Hmm. This is the report. And so after many years, it became up inside. We wanted to, to take that footage and tell a story. And I told Chris, you know, we want to tell this story. We know we can't stand the scrutiny. We're not great people at all. We're full of sin and weakness, especially me. And so in a way, it's scary to tell the story because people are going to look at us more and find plenty wrong. But if they do find things wrong and when they find things wrong, I'm going to say, yep, that's wrong. That's bad. But look what Jesus does with screwed up people, man. That's when you right. give yourself to him, he does stuff. There's right. good things. And so look at him. And at that point, uh, in 2012, I told Chris, you know, I'm going to make, he just happened to be on a mission to make his own film. I said, I'm going to make a film. I'm not a filmmaker. It's going to be horrible. Maybe only my mother will like it, but I've got to do it. I feel like one of the blind people that Jesus healed that came back and said, thank you. It's a way of saying thank you. Hmm. Offering to say, this is what we, what we saw. Thank you, Lord. And he said, I'll do it. And that's how the film started. Okay, so the the movie is coming out into 850 theaters nationwide on February 24th and 25th as a Fathom event. Um, can you tell us a little bit what what you're expecting out of this? What you hope uh, people come away with? I hope people come away with the realization that God loves them, and that love is the most beautiful powerful force in the world to forgive us and help us do useful good things that are fun. I hope that people come away with God's real. I hope people look at themselves and say, um, and say to God, what can I do? And I hope people care about the people of Burma, the people of Iraq, the people of Syria, Sudan, and go, well, those people aren't that different than me. If I was in their shoes, I'd be in trouble there too. And they count. And I hope that when people see it, not only they care about other people outside of America, but that they take action. Call their congressman. Hey, what are we doing about the Kurds in Syria? What are we doing about the Koran who getting in the Rohingya who getting beat up in Burma? America is so blessed, and we have a lot of problems inside. And there are a lot of missions that need to stay inside America to help Americans. But but America is bigger than that too. We can help outside. And so my hope is that we look in and look in and look out. I guess look up, look in, and then look out. And I hope that people enjoy the movie. Well, I I absolutely did. Um, it is a great movie. Um, listeners, you can go to fbrmovie.com for more information. Uh, fathomevents.com 
for tickets and the theaters that are near you. Dave, again, it is a real honor uh, to get to meet you. Uh, know that we are praying for you uh, from, from Nashville uh, and that we are hopeful that you are able to continue the work uh, in Syria and in Iraq and Burma. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And I'm in Ain Isa, Syria, which means the eyes of Jesus. The enemy's close, like I said, a mile and a half. Quiet right now in a little clinic that saved many lives. And I just thank God people can know about that too. And that, that I thank God for Lifeway and Daydocs and everybody who's made this film possible. And I offer that all back up in gratitude to God and saying thank you, Lord Jesus, for my new friends, Andrew, and the whole team there too. Amen. Amen. Amen.